All right, let's look. Uh, let's just open our Bibles. Let's just get there this, this morning. Let's go to Luke chapter 17. I want to start here in Luke chapter 17 this morning. Over the past three weeks, we've talked about increasing our capacity for faith, that, that there are not necessarily things that we do, even though we talked about spiritual disciplines last week. But Jesus asked the question, he says, um, will I find such faith? right upon my return so what jesus is looking for is an increased capacity of faith as a matter of fact the faith of god in each and every one of us the faith that can move mountains and so today we're going to talk about how to get in that place what that looks like very practical sermon today not a magical it is very spiritual but it's also extremely practical and i'm going to talk to you about that we're going to start here in luke chapter 17 now watch this Starting with verse 11, now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. I'm going to stop right there. So Jesus is traveling between Galilee and Samaria. Now, here's what you need to know. Those two don't get along. They don't like one another. They throw rocks across the road and hope to hit somebody. They want to see blood between the two. This, this, these two don't get along. And so here's Jesus, and he's going to walk right down the middle of them. Yeah, I love this because he's setting some things up. And he was going into a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And let me just stop there for just a moment. So here is a leper colony that heard that he was coming through. Now, a couple things that maybe we need to know about lepers. As I look at this, you know, um, it says that they called out, they cried out to him in a loud voice if you know anything about leprosy it attacks the voice first so church i want you to see something they called out in their weakness not in their strength but it was loud it was strong they knew the lord was in their midst another thing about this leper colony is a leper colony it didn't matter if you were from galilee it didn't matter if you were from samaria it didn't make any difference what mattered was that if you were a leper you were sent to this leper colony that would have consisted of both Galileans and Samaritans, two that didn't get along now because of their condition, they walked together and they cried out together. So here they are, called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, this amazes me because Jesus could have just said, hey, bam, you're well. Hey, shazam. He didn't know about the wonder twin. I guess God did know about the wonder twin powers, but, but really what Jesus was doing is he wanted to see if they would obey what he said because there were probably Galileans who were of the Jewish descent culture who would have said, hey, you know, we're waiting on the Messiah, and he walked in their midst. They didn't recognize him. There were the Samaritans who said, oh, shoot, he's a Jew. Stay away from him. But the ones who were in need, the ones who were in desperation, they called out to him, and this is what he says. Let's see if they obey. Go, show yourself to the priest and see what the priest does, right? And as they walked, as they did what Jesus' voice said to do, Jesus says this, the sheep will know my voice. And so let's see if they're really sheep. Let's see if they're just wanting cleansing or if they want wholeness that comes with it. And so he sends them on their way, and as, as they go towards the priest, they're starting to walk in their cleanliness. 
hey, check it out, my finger grew back. Oh, dude, you got a nose. I don't know if I would have let that grow back, but whew, dude, that's a nose. You know, you, you look like you're of Roman descent. Anyway, right? They started walking back in their healing. And one, one, verse 15, one, one of them, when he saw he was healed. So he looked at himself and he said, oh my goodness, look at this. I was simply obeying this man's voice. I simply trusted in what he had to say. And as I walked, look at me. The pegs that I called legs have now grown strength and muscles and have definition in my feet that were wasting away with sores and blisters. And at one time I couldn't even stand. Now I have feet that are made whole. And now my voice that was so weak is going to be used now in my strength to go back and say one thing, two words, thank you. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. You see, he went from that weak voice to that healing and wholeness that God gave him, and it said now he praised him in a loud voice. Church, if I were to ask you today, what voice do you praise Jesus with? Where are you? Are you willing to yield and listen to where he's called you and to hear the master's voice and to follow him and to know that it will take you to a place of wholeness where you lack nothing, where you understand, a place that you'll praise God. Look, he threw himself at Jesus' feet. He thanked him. He was a Samaritan. He wasn't even in the fold. It says that he knelt down, he fell down before Jesus and he thanked him and worshipped him. Jesus' feet. I love Jesus' feet. I love them. They're feet that we're told about, that wherever he goes, it brings the good news, the gospel. Blessed are those whose feet, right, Spread the gospel. Tread out the gospel. Go for the gospel. This is Jesus. And, and, and it's interesting to me that, that the Roman soldier who helped crucify him and stand him up, and as Jesus hung there, it says he turned and he looked upon him and he said, truly this man is the Son of God. And he was standing there at Jesus' feet. This man found himself at the feet of Jesus. In worship, we find ourselves at the feet of Jesus. We see that we may be in need, but that God isn't moved by our need. He's moved through our faith, through our obedience to hear His Word and to move in that. And as that happens, healing comes. Look, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? I thought there were ten of you. Was just one of you? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Except this one who's not even supposedly a part of our fold? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Your capacity, your faith has grown to a place of wholeness. And your faith is now in me and you are well because of that. Church, do we have gratitude this morning? Because the difference between the nine and the one was there was a man who was grateful for what God had done for him. 
And that, that gratitude placed him, took him to a place of worship. And when he got to this place of worship, he found himself at the feet of Jesus. And he found himself continually being made whole. Even though he was an outsider, he's brought in as an insider. He's full of graciousness. See, in this world today, let me tell you something. There are basically two types of people. There are those that are full of gratitude, and there are those that are full of ingratitude. You will know them by their fruits. You'll know them by the trails they leave behind them. You'll know if they're for the graciousness of God or if they're actually for the works or possibly even works righteousness. They're trying to, to purchase a favor from God. Both claim to be Christians oftentimes, but you'll know by how they speak because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So which one are you? 90% in this case didn't even say thank you. Wow. Lucy Smith once said, one thing is indisputable, the constant attitude of looking longingly at what we don't have or looking thankfully at what we have produces two very different types of people. It's amazing to me that today we celebrate freedom and we go to the lakes and we shoot and pop firecrackers and fireworks and we watch our money blow up in the skies. And it goes so fast, there, there has to be a, a store another block away. Let's try this one. It's buy one and get one free. Let's go right before midnight because they have to sell out. They can't sell them on July 5th. Some of you just learned that. You're marking your calendars. See, it's a, amazing to me that in America we have all this freedom, and yet America sells more self-help books than any other country in the world. Here are some great statistics for you. Real per capita income has doubled in America since 1960. Life expectancy has almost doubled in the last hundred years. The average American is more prosperous than 99.4% of everyone who's ever lived on earth. In spite of such affluence, 67% of Americans say that they are unhappy today. See, we basically have two types of people. Jesus is trying to make a point here. He says there's basically two types. 90% look, all of them were healed. All were in some way walking in the middle voice through their need. All of them believed that they could be healed in some way. All of them obeyed the shepherd's voice, but only one returned to say thank you. See, in this life we have givers and takers. We have lovers and fighters. We have cowboy fans in the rest of the world. We have optimists and pessimists. We have night owls and early risers. We have whiners. We have worshipers. You decide. That's one thing you get to do in this life. You get to decide. But throughout the course of your life, one or the other will begin to dominate your view. And whichever one dominates your view, this is going to become your destination in life. A movie that has been highly viewed and highly watched and they still play it and replay it and replay it and play it again on TV is Grumpy Old Men. It was so good that they have Grumpy Old Men Part 2. What about you? Are you Part 36? Because they know it's going to appeal to someone. Someone's going to, that's their destination just to become grumpy full of ingratitude. And you will recognize the blessing 
of God in your life or you will be one who doesn't see it. We live in a culture today where people have died, fought, done everything they could so that we today would have all kinds of freedom, but instead we sit back and oftentimes are the most ungrateful people in the world and yet have so much more. Fanny Crosby um, said this for many years now at my funeral. The song that I once sung, I hope it's not coming up, but it is one way or the other, right? Fanny Crosby wrote the hymn, Blessed Assurance. That's one I want there. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of joy divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story. This is my song. Now watch, praising my Savior. In other words, I'm going to say thank you. If God didn't do anything else for me, He did that. I win in the end. Fanny Crosby, when she wrote that hymn along with 1,000 other hymns that are sung throughout the world, wrote them while she was blind. Wrote them because a doctor made a mistake when she was a child and put the wrong salve on her eyes and she went totally blind. And she said, blessed assurance. <laughs> Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. She said, I am grateful for my blindness. At eight years old, she wrote a poem, Oh, what a happy child am I. Although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't, so weep or sigh because I'm blind, I cannot, nor I won't. I could not have written thousands of hymns if I had been hindered by the distraction of seeing all the interesting and beautiful objects that would have been presented to my notice. What? See, it's, an, it's amazing to me that a heart of gratitude, just a, a, a woman who couldn't see, a young girl who couldn't see began to write, began to use what God had given her, understood that she had been purchased by the blood of Jesus, and that was enough for her to impact the entire world. You know, after 20 years of ministry, I can tell you that most depression, gloom, and anxiety lead to the lack of gratitude. Ungrateful people. Most sins that are plaguing and devastating in our society today can be traced back to a root of ingratitude or possibly this, entitlement. If you didn't know that word over the past five years, you've heard it over and over and over and over and over. If you think we are a grateful country, much less a grateful people, look at the two that we have to choose from for president. If I offended you, stick around, I'll do it again. In Matthew chapter 18, then summoning him, his Lord said to him, now Jesus is doing a teaching here. I'll explain the teaching after I read what he says. You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? In other words, should you have not spread my graciousness, my joy in you with others? But he doesn't. So if you go back and you read what's taking place there, uh, Jesus is given an example of a servant that goes to his master. His master says, hey, I'm going to forgive you all of it. 
But this servant also has uh, people who owe him something. So he goes out, he puts them in a chokehold, a figure four, breaks a kneecap, and says, give it up. And Jesus says, you wicked servant. Can you not offer what I offered you? See, gratitude produces people who see life differently. Prideful people don't oftentimes have a humble heart. They can't see it. A grateful person is a humble person. While ingratitude reveals a proud heart, gratitude reveals your level of humility. Henry W. Beecher said this, A humble mind is the soil out of which gratitude naturally grows. But when you and I get to a place where we feel we are entitled to our blessings, a job, a paycheck, a happy home, good health, etc., you can see that a visible lack of gratitude begins to fill in those blanks. I got a good laugh at, I've been on a gratitude series for the last three weeks in our men's ministry here called Brave Hearts on Tuesday mornings. Man, you should be there. You would have laughed a lot this week. Hopefully grown in the Lord. But I got a good response to this. One of the things I shared was a man, his, his aunt died and left him $40,000. And, and he was almost wealthy. It was a lot of money by his standards. A week later, the uncle died and left him $120,000. A week later, a grandmother passed away and left him $150,000. A week later, he's walking around doom and gloom, and he runs into a friend, and the friend says, what's wrong with you? And he said, no one died this week. See, a proud man is seldom a grateful man, for he never thinks he gets as much as he deserves. Every hint of ingratitude is a revealer of pride in our life. When we become an ungrateful people, listen to me, here's the key. When we become ungrateful in our state, in our stature, with whatever it may be, it is an opportunity to repent. Man, we need to run with that. Jesus, talk to me. A few weeks ago, I received text message from a pastor friend and it simply said this it said Curtis go back to what you know I just feel like that's what I'm supposed to say so that's all the text said it's okay what do I know good Lord have mercy on me right and as I prayed about it God revealed an early message that I preached years and years ago something that he revealed to me at the church of Ephesus so I want to talk about repentance because I just told you every time that we become ungrateful or have a heart of ingratitude, it should bring us to a point of repentance. It made me think of this. The church of Ephesus, when Jesus writes to that church in the book of Revelation, he says you have done all these things very well. You've, you've got a list here of things you've done great. And then he says this, I have this one thing against you that you have left your first love. What he tells the church at Ephesus. It's sitting in my notes, but I'm going to share it anyway. I feel like I'm supposed to. So, so, what he's saying is, you didn't lose your first love. You left it. 
You made a choice. You made a decision. You got too busy. You started chasing. You started rattling. Who knows what was going on in your mind? But you left your first love. Church, you've done all these things, these great things in my name. But listen, you have left your first love. And then he says this. Here's how you get it back. He says, repent and remember the height in which you have fallen. Repent. When you have a place of ingratitude in your heart, it provides an opportunity to repent. And notice what he says. Repent and go back and do the deeds you did at first. It says, remember the height in which you've fallen. Go back and do the deeds you did at first. So I just like to say it this way. Repent. Remember. I guarantee you, when I, when I caught on fire for the Lord, look out. I beat Christ in every one of you. I would. In the alley. I didn't care. It didn't matter. He said go in the alleyways, the highways, the byways. Compel them to come. You better get there, buddy. I literally did this. I can remember being in Lubbock, Texas, and a homeless guy came through. I can tell you his name. His name was Alex. And I grabbed that man and said, you need Jesus. And he said, boy, you better back up. And I said, this Bible is bigger than anything else you carry, and I'm going to share Jesus with you. And I took that man to lunch, and I found out where he slept. And I would go by in the alley, and I'd meet with that man. Because I was on fire for the Lord. Something was going on in me. God wanted to do a great and mighty work, and I knew it. And Alex came to the Lord, and guess what? He got to a place where he could buy his own meals. Repent. Remember the height in which you've fallen. I guarantee every one of you when you came to the Lord would charge hell with a water pistol. We come to a place where we understand that, look, a humble heart versus a proud heart means that this humble heart, this humility, is going to be a grateful heart regardless of the situations and what's stirring around us. I still, it is my choice to have a humble heart, to have a place in me that is full of gratitude. I've got to get to a place where I'm God-centered, not self-centered. See, when you first come to Christ, maybe you need to be spoon-fed and all this other stuff, and we have names for it, and I really don't care. When you were born, you had needs, and you learned to cry for them. Wah! Come give me something to eat because you were self-centered. Wah! I got a dirty diaper. Come change it. Hopefully you outgrew that, and we outgrow that in our Christian walk with God as well. It no longer becomes about us, but the greatest among us will be the servant of all. How can I serve you? A grateful person is God-centered. An ungrateful person is self-centered. Grateful people are seeking to bless others. Ungrateful people are bent on satisfying themselves. Gratitude has the power to move you from being selfish to being selfless. It's a path. It's the reason why when the disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, one of us wants to sit on your right and the other on, our, on his left, and he said, do you understand what you are asking me? You better wake up. That's not going to be an easy cup to drink. But then he said, how about this? The greatest among you will be the servant of all. A person wrapped up in themselves is a prime bait target for the tempter thrives on accusing you of being unfair he tries to show you that life is unfair to come into your life and to say God is holding out on you if you're not careful to lead you down a road of moral impurity because you think man I deserve all this I need more I've got an appetite that needs to be fed you know why because it's all about you when you understand that you got an appetite that needs to give and give away 
and you are growing up, you're going to become a person of gratitude. You get a whole heart from all this versus an empty heart. A grateful person has a whole heart while an ungrateful person has an empty one. Greg Easterbrook, he writes some on this, and this is what he says, how life gets better when people feel worse is real. Sometimes people are, are diagnosed, I've seen it happen, diagnosed with some kind of critical ailment, with some kind of terminal illness, and all of a sudden they're, they're doing well spiritually. It's amazing. I don't encourage that. Okay? But it's amazing because what they start realizing is, oh, I have so much to give. I have so much to offer. See, it's amazing to me that the Apostle Paul, who was incarcerated in a Roman dungeon, his circumstances, his situations, everything that he was standing in was falling down around him, and he would pin these words to the church in Philippi. But I have all, and abound, and I am full. Wow. See, he, he understood. The difference between a whole heart or an empty one is, is not rich or poor, friends or no friends. It's gratitude. An ungrateful person is like a container with holes leaking out. Every blessing that has been poured into it. They are always people who are in need. Don't you just love being around ungrateful people? Hey, tell me something else today you're ungrateful for. Ah, high five, bro. Come on, you don't want to hang with those people. I mean, Jesus came that we would have abundant life, fulfilled lives. He said in this life you will have trouble, but he didn't say that you won't have abundance in your heart. It can look different for you. You understand that, that the people you hang with are oftentimes reflections of you. So if we're not life-giving, if we're not Christ-manifested, if we're not Spirit-filled or Bible-teaching, if we're running around with people who are in direct opposition of that, that's oftentimes what we look like and oftentimes what we become. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Bad company corrupts good morals. You're only as good as the company you keep. You've got to watch these things. You've got to protect yourself. Yesterday I was in my barn. I was changing the oil in my pickup. My hands are nasty and... The girls come running in, and this is what they said. They said, hey, Dad, um, we want to play a prank on our brother Wade. So they immediately had my attention. And I'm like, come on, tell me, talk to me. And they said, well, we're going to go put our swimsuits on, and then we're going to put our clothes on over our swimsuits. And we want you to put us in the bucket of the tractor and lift us up and give us a round and, 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 and give us a ride around. Lift us way up in the air and all this stuff. And we're going to have Wade in there with us. And then take us over to the swimming pool and let's dump Wade in there. I was like, that is awesome. Y'all are direct. Y'all are a direct reflection of your daddy. High five, girls, right? And we did it. And we got video. It was awesome. Okay, let's go to the next thing. Life-giving people versus life-draining people. We want to be people who give life. We want people who, when others are around us, they want to be around us because they're going to get something. They're going to be fed. They're going to be filled because the Holy Ghost is living inside of us and welling up. It's a spring, and he, He's a spring, and He just springs up, and He wells up, and He flows through us, and He flows into others, and it's a great impartation of what God is doing. An incredible picture. Years ago, I, I was at Duke, and it, it really frustrated me. I wrote this paper that I just thought was out of sight, and I get it back, and it was a D. 
So I said, well, I'm going to go in and I'm going to talk to this professor. So I go in and I slap it down on the table. I said, look, dude, you don't know how much work went in this. Now, I don't care if you do have your daggum doctorate. Right? I'm not very smart. And it took me a lot of work to put this on paper and to turn in these 30 pages to you. He said, well, here's the problem. You quoted a commentarian that we don't like here, that we don't approve of. And I said, who's that? And he said, Matthew Henry. That's one of your commentarians. And I said, what's wrong with, with Matthew Henry? He said, well, he's too objective. So we feel like he's inaccurate because of his objectivity. Now, this is interesting to me because if you read about this Puritan pastor, this is who Matthew Henry was. Charles Chapman wrote these words about his friend, Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry possessed the desirable attitude and power of looking on the bright side of everything. This pervaded his entire life. There was a loveliness in his spirit and a gladness in his heart which caused others to feel how happy a thing it must be to be a Christian. But we better not use him. He's dangerous. We might all be enlightened, right? What a great thing to possess, to cause others to feel how happy it is to be a Christian. All of us know complainers and people who are wearisome, and we do our best to avoid them because they drain us. Ingratitude, folks, is toxic. You ever wonder when you get home and the kids go, ping, they're everywhere, they're gone, and you're like, what's wrong? (laughs) I had a guy tell me the other day, he said, when everybody else is wrong it might be me I could relate right there's only one thing more contagious in our lives than ingratitude and folks that's gratitude God loves a thankful heart I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart I will enter his courts with praise I love this because if you want to stay out don't do those things you don't want to increase your capacity for faith then don't do that Don't have thanksgiving in your heart. Don't have praise in your heart, right? He's given us an example of how to increase our faith here. Come back and say, thanks, Lord. Psalm 107.1, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. He has our best interest in mind. I wonder how many of you know a nun in the Catholic Church. Just one nun. If you know a nun in the Catholic Church that is famous, raise your hand. Okay, good. For all four of you. Outstanding. All of you know one. Her name was Mother Teresa. And Mother Teresa made it her ambition to work, watch, in a leper colony all of her life. She wasn't looking to be famous, but we've all heard of Mother Teresa. And she said, there were times that I grew tired, but I looked at the people and imagined that I was doing that for Christ Himself. story in a book here a while back uh, about a man who went to Tobago in the Caribbean and he was going to a leper colony to visit one of his friends and who was pastoring and ministering to this leper colony and as he went in he got to visiting with with all of them and they they led him in a service and he said they were just hideous I mean it was unfortunate everything that had happened from facial disfigurement to fingers to legs and feet. He said it was just terrible. And he continued to listen to their soft voices attempt to sing to the Lord. And finally, at the end of the service, this is what he said. He said, can we do anything else for y'all? And one of them raised their hand, or what was left of it, and said these words. He said, can we sing one more hymn? He said, yes, you pick. And the little lady said, count your many blessings. One by one. 
The book goes on to say, I'll never sing that song again. Never in the same way. See, some people grumble at why God puts thorns on roses while others acknowledge with all gratitude that God put roses among thorns. Gratitude produces people who see life differently. There are two kinds of people in this life. There are the grateful and the ungrateful. So let me just ask this question. Which one are you? Have you ever come back and thanked Jesus for your blessings? I'm going to have Allison come up, and I'm going to ask if you'd please stand. And if the worship team would make their way forward. Hear me this morning. You've got to start somewhere. You can't finish what you don't start. So oftentimes we we tend to stand back and we tend to say, hey, I'm not even going to get started because I don't know that I can finish this. Well, I want you to hear Jesus completed the work that he has for you to get started in. To come, to reel in. To start here and say, say, I need to enter his gates and I need to enter his courts. There are people here who have words for you that they want to impress and implant in your life. There are people here who can stand in agreement, who can encourage you and embrace you and love you. Say, let's get started and let's let, let God bring you on in your life to completion. Having a heart of gratitude. Seeing the, the bigger picture. Sometimes we're so narrowly focused. If you're in that jam today, even if you're not, I want to encourage you to come up here and receive what the Lord has for you. Amen.